Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 87 for Monday, May the 4th, 2020, and it may be a galaxy far, far away, but it still feels like the future to me. My name is Johnny, <laughs> uh, the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is my good friend, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel! Hello, and happy Star Wars Day to you and all the people listening. Uh, I'm sure many of us has taken inspiration from Star Wars over the years, and May the 4th is always a fun Star Wars Day. And worth noting that now you can watch all of the Star Wars universe in one place. Mm -hmm. As of today, the ninth movie joins Disney Plus and not everything is... <laughs> no, not a, not a sponsor, but I just as a Star Wars nerd, it's just nice to know that you can do all the cartoons, all the movies, whatever you want to do Star Wars, it is all available uh, in one spot, which is really cool if you are one of those Star Wars fans. And I know that we've had, like Logical Geek Boy, one of our previous guests, he's a big Star Wars fan and he's got some Minecraft Star Wars inspired builds and things like that. So yes. I think having, I, I find having stuff outside of Minecraft is always really good. People get too Minecraft focused sometimes and they start looking at other Minecrafters for inspiration. I think sometimes we have to encourage people to just go watch other things, you know, go get inspired, get, you know, go watch Jurassic Park and then make Minecraft dinosaurs. Like why not? Yes. Um, but all of these kind of things, uh, including a live birthday gift to myself, so it wasn't really a surprise, but uh, we also had a, a number of other um, little things to go over in the rendered distance, which is the extended version of the podcast for our patrons. If you're interested in joining that, go to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. I almost said the Citadel Cafe there by accident. Uh, <laughs> but check out the spawn chunks on Patreon. Uh, we now do the show live. Uh, you can tune in. Uh, 10 a.m. for Atlantic time. That's UTC minus three hours and 2 p.m. in the UK. We do it the same time every Monday. There's a live chat uh, that you can text chat in and talk to your friends while you listen to the show live. And we do both the render distance and the Spawn Chunks live every Monday now. So uh, thank you to all the support on Patreon. It's also the first Monday of the month. So thank you to all of the patrons that continue to support the Spawn Chunks. You guys are fantastic. Uh, we've got a big meaty show. So uh, so what do you say we get into it? Yes, yes. Uh, if anybody wants to hear about um, Joel and my feelings about leaf blowers, definitely check out this week's Render Distance. <laughs> um, so we have delightful news on your front for a start. You have been able to play Minecraft again. Talk us through it. How is I have, that gone down? I have indeed. I have indeed. It's taken a long time to sort out what may be the issue. Uh, thanks again to mini packs for all the help, uh, in, in discord, but essentially my computer, my, my windows PC does not seem to do very well when it's taxed. So when the system is under uh, a lot of pressure to do things, it tends to start dropping frames and do stuff like this. And mm -hmm. we have now, after finding some forum posts to the effect, think that it might be my i5 9600k processor, which I thought was a good purchase at the time I checked my logic on it i checked with a couple other people that have built their pcs and they thought yeah that sounds like a good pc or a good a good cpu i none of us realize that there's very specific problems with it it doesn't it doesn't like it it's not like it crashes games and not like it, it's a bad gaming thing but on some games and on some systems it causes frame lag so we might have the culprit unfortunately i don't have another processor just kicking around to then swap out and yeah. test um however uh, Minipacks gave me some feedback and saying, well, that that holds true to the logic in that if we find a way, and as we have found ways to minimize the computer stress, your frame rate, while it doesn't solve itself, it's less intense. So it goes from something like a slideshow to something like a blur. Yeah. So the frame drops are happening so fast that your vision just gets blurry, which is still, you know, motion sickness inducing. It's not great. 
But in more research, I was looking at different ways in Windows 10 to try and mitigate um, processor load. Because now that I knew that it was potentially the processor, I could ha ask more specific questions to get better answers. So I'll give people a tip. If you are having this issue with any game, because this is not just Minecraft for me, this is all games on my system. Uh, go to graphics settings. Now I don't know how to get there other than typing it into the search in Windows start menu, uh, where you can choose an app to set performance. There are classic apps, and then those classic apps are just listed as like Minecraft, uh, not Minecraft, uh, Microsoft installed apps, like bit your basic Windows stuff. Yeah. Or universal apps. So universal apps allows you to browse and then add whatever outside app you want. And then you can tell the system, hey, make this a, like, give this priority, make sure. this a high yeah. performance app. So when this app is running, you give it everything first. And then the rest of the things that are running, you give that second. Mm -hmm. And so I added Java to, to the, to the graphic settings. And I said, crank it <laughs> just give it give it all the juice it's um, it's like this the star yeah. trek kind of like she's she's given yeah. all she can captain yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly Sulu, inside, take us out yeah inside your cpu right now yeah it's funny i watched those movies last weekend too mm. uh but anyway um so anyway that that has i it's not solved the issue it has patched it but the combination of Optifine, still using pre-13. Well, actually, we left that out of the notes, but pre-14 and pre-15 came out this past weekend. But pre-13 pre is what I'm using for Optifine. Uh, so those things help Minecraft be more efficient. And then this is helping the processor be more efficient. And together, it means that I'm able to play Minecraft without barfing, which is Yay. fantastic. News. Yay. That's very good. Yeah, bar barfing bad. Um, so... I feel like there is still a limit. Like I, yesterday was the first real test and I was pretty done. I, I wasn't paying attention to the time. I did a three hour stream, which is about normal for me, but I took my third break and it wasn't until I got up from my chair to take my third break that I realized how much of a, not a headache, but how much of an eye strain I felt. Yeah. And, and I can normally do a four hour stream when I'm having fun. No problem. Like I don't get tired. I'm still interested in what I'm doing. I don't find it that strain you know, that's stressful. Um, but I noticed that at the end of the three hours, like I was pretty much done. I played for an extra 20 minutes just because I told people I would come back and I kind of wrapped things up and, and ended it because I was I was pretty much done. But the first couple of streams, I went into it uh, gently because I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I didn't want to get anything too big. Uh, so we took the opportunity to fly around in creative, which confused a lot of people, um, to set up the new medieval fantasy building zone on the Citadel. So that's what I, that's the more, the more interesting thing that I did this past week in Minecraft was uh, using command blocks, learning how to do the teleport command, thanks to Skulldaisy Gimp and a couple of other fun technical people in my chat room for walking me through the commands, because I do not understand Minecraft code. I, it's not at all logical to me. Um, so I basically just had to like get somebody to tell me what, each number did and where to find them and what to do and um and discovered a few things about like you know what block to look at and a good a good tip from from um fix it um was to because he does this on on vastin that's how they get around when you want to travel to different cities on vastin you go into a boat and then you press a button and then you're teleported to another build in, in the world but you're on a, an exact copy of that boat so the idea in the lore is that you've taken the boat yeah. you know to, from one city to the next in in the citadel uh we don't have a final design yet for the world hub but everything is all centered around the center of the world at, at coordinates you know one one 
And so we've got a bunch of different portals with air quotes because they're not nether portals. There's one nether portal that gets you there, but all the other portals are just glass panes with frames, you know? They look like magical portals. I've made them look kind of like Stonehenge things with like light in between them. Um, but uh, at the base of them, hidden in the stone, there's stone buttons that you can press. Uh, you can't use pressure plates because uh, as hilariously uh, demonstrated on the stream, when a uh, spider or cow, I can't remember which it was, an animal basically walked over the pressure plate and sent me. <laughs> <laughs> sent me teleporting like right the, the nearest player gets teleported exactly yeah. there's there's no way to actually focus it on a player in range like i wish you could set a range on them like i wish the command block would say teleport any player within 10 blocks right like that would be fantastic but you can't do that uh, at least not to my own knowledge if you can write us at spunchuckmail at gmail.com and let me know uh, but anyway, so I set these up. Uh, there's there's a command block for the sake of not having to worry about which is to which one to press. I've got a command block under each pillar in the, in the frame. So you just walk up, hit any button that you see, and you get teleported to the medieval building zone. And the building zone is so big. Like I want to say it's probably the better part of ten thousand blocks by eight thousand blocks or something. Like it's this big continent place that we've decided to, to call home. And there's two different areas that I thought would be good for, for an arrival. And so rather than choosing, I use both. So um, if you get there and you have to go from one end of the continent to the other, it's a long way. So I thought we'd have an arrival zone in the south, an arrival zone in the north, kind of like an MMO. And so your, your starting zone in, in, the new, uh, in the new world, we built like a little camp. And I've never built a tent in Minecraft before. It's not easy, by the way. <laughs> uh, like a like a white, you know, uh, like staging camp. Yeah. So I did that. Now, I had a lot of fun with the fire pit. The fire pit was a, was a cool way to, to mess around with like cauldrons and a campfire and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I built a tower. Like a, I actually built like a, a small tower with like a little buttress and some a little house. It's, basically, the insides are just like five by five. You know, there's a furnace, a chest, a bed, and then a button to get back. So at the moment, everything just works with the commands. We're going to leave it at that for now. But essentially, once I have more time, I want to hook up these, um, these portals to payment systems. Um, we've mentioned before on the Citadel that we don't have an economy because I put up all these um, community farms early on. So everybody just kind of has everything that they need. Yeah. So we don't really have any kind of valuable commodity. So I thought, why not? instead of just making it free to teleport 9,000 blocks, because that's how far it is, we'll just have it cost something. Now, whether it's going to be three diamonds or a diamond block or whatever it is, these command blocks are redstone operated. So all I need to do is just have like basically like a sacrificial kind of like altar where you have to throw your diamond block that gets sucked up into a hopper, make sure that the filter sees that and, you know, hits the, the command block and powers it and then boom, you know, you get sent. I think I might make it free to come back, but then have it be something that costs you. The idea is to try and encourage players to not just constantly be going back and forth and back and forth between their base and the new zone, because we're not resetting this at all. You know, we don't go back to a square one every time a new version of Minecraft comes out. So this way, it's kind of like you get that fresh new game experience, but you've got shulker boxes and Elytra. And so you can kind of bring all the things that you want with you, like pack up your life, you know, and then go and decide for the next month or so, I'm going to build in the, in the medieval zone and just kind of live there and be able to have that early Minecraft experience, that fresh, clean slate, which everybody's really excited about, but not have to go back to like 
wood tools and like no diamonds and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense are you thinking about doing something similar for the nether in terms of the teleportation stuff are you thinking about teleporting people away to some of the newer biomes or have you not explored enough of the nether that you think that's going to be a problem i don't think it's going to be a problem because in the nether our exploration has essentially just been in the four cardinal directions and even then not that far sure yeah so five 500 600 blocks in most directions in some cases it's a little bit farther like for example the the modern city build is actually quite traversable in the nether so that's a portal that i did set up but i'm not going to charge for that because like you can really get there in the nether in like a minute and a half like it's it's really not that long um i think the longest trek in the nether is a thousand blocks or more and it's well it's gonna be more than that but it it it's um the ice spikes, the first ice spikes biome that we had, it took forever to get there. Yeah. Uh, and the Mesa and stuff like that. But in the Mesa, we're actually going to be, that's, I think that's the biome we're going to use for the Western build. Like um, Alistair wants to build like a Western town. So that's, we're going to use the Mesa. So that will end up having a portal as well, uh, like a teleport portal. But no, it, um, because of how easy it is to see what we've done in the Nether and where we haven't gone, I'm going to take the, uh, is it MC Selector? MCA selector. MCA selector, yes. MCA selector. So I'm going to use that, uh, and I'm going to uh, just trim all the chunks in the Nether that aren't essentially what we've got already, and I can I should be able to do that because the the only thing going north to the ice spikes is just the road. Like so, as long as I don't, and even if I did trim a chunk out of the road, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, like it's not, not the end of the world. Um, so yeah, we're just we're just gonna trim the chunks back to to nothing because we do have some big builds to worry about. Like you know, there's my fortress farm, there's the gold farm, a uh, couple of big you know, two hundred fifty six diameter circles that we got to worry about. But like all that stuff is also central to the hub. That yeah. once we get outside the hub, we can really trim things back pretty easily. And if by chance I did trim out a, a nether portal that you know we needed, it's not going to be anything essential. It's not like it's going to be like the guardian farm or or something like that. It it might be like some someone found a biome that they wanted to go to or something like that, but it's, it's not going to be a big deal. So we're just going to trim the chunk. Yeah, and MCA selector is great for that. Having filters that will allow you to filter by how right. long you've spent in each region is phenomenal. Yeah. And that's kind of what I plan on relying on for my own um, nether switch. I'm definitely going to keep the nether hub there that I started building ages ago. And then when I heard there were going to be new biomes in the nether... I decided to hold off building any more of it until those popped up and I could use some of the new blocks to decorate. And so, yeah, I have a bunch of nether portals just out in a bunch of different directions. And I'm not sure if you can find player-placed blocks. Like, if I could search for anywhere there was a nether portal already, just where some obsidian is, then maybe I could filter it that way. But even if not, I think I've spent enough time uh, either flying exactly the same route each time so I know which sections I've explored and which I haven't, or at the very least I will have spent enough time around those portals to build them in the first place or to link them that I know not to delete those areas if I just filter my entire nether that way. So hopefully it's going to be a fairly smooth transition and I can just blend in a couple of those biomes if there's hard edges where they would have generated as something different, which, uh, yeah, I think is, is very, very useful. Hats off to Quirts, by the way, uh, who actually now has one of my videos about how to use MCA Selector at the top of the GitHub page where you download MCA Selector to begin with. So if you want a tutorial, <laughs> I'm just saying, endorse, hey, that's, endorsed by the creator now. <laughs> that's the tutorial that I use. Uh, and when I was messing around with it just a little bit earlier, um, last week just like looking at these new build zones 
uh, and what we would have to do. Like I, I rewatched, I didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of fast forwarded to a point. I couldn't remember where the region files were. So I needed, I watched your video to, to, to get, to get where I needed to go. But, um, but that's it for me. Like, what have you been up to in Minecraft the last week? After messing around with a Minecraft RTX in Bedrock Edition, I just want to put more color in things. I got a little bit like, yeah, no, the colored light effects in that neon city uh, that Elysium Fire built were just so cool. And I started to feel like, yeah, I want to use a bunch of colored concrete and glass and stuff. So I built a crystal cave that I had planned to build some sort of tunnel to the ski lift in the center of my mountain to begin with. Because as we may, may have mentioned on the show before, having built an entire mountain range, a realistic ski lift that actually works is nigh on impossible because i can't work out how to make a diagonal flying machine using redstone mechanics so instead what i've done is make a vertical elevator platform you just have to go to the center of the mountain in order to get up to the the peak of it um so yeah i, I decided to build a tunnel that led players out that way and filled that with a bunch of crystals made out of stained glass and concrete and ore blocks as well that was kind of the the flashy title i gave it was look at me i'm building with diamond ore um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of fun to do projects like that and justifies my excuses for hoarding emerald ore blocks, which I typically do because uh, I feel like you can, if you want emeralds, you can get them from villagers, right? So I decided mm. not to fortune any of the emerald blocks I find. I try and silk touch all of them and now I get to put them to use in builds, which is super fun to do. Nice. Um, yeah. So I was working on that a little bit this week, doing some more kind of tidying up of the mountain in preparation for the episode 300 world tour of the survival guide, for which the mountain is not going to be done in terms of detail. But at least if I tour it, I can show you the stuff that I have done and everything else in the world besides. I have some fun ideas for episode 300, which I have uh, showcased to you off off, uh, off mic, off camera. Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm not going to give away too much because I want it to be a surprise, but I think people are going to really enjoy it. Um... Outside of that, Skyblock has been going all right. I now have access to more farmable blocks thanks to the fact that I finally built a drowned farm, which now gives me access to clay along with uh, the sand and gravel that are dropped by the other zombie variants. So now I feel like I have access to a bunch of building materials that I didn't before, and I've started building out custom biomes. So I've converted the tiny jungle island that you start off with with a single jungle tree on it into an area that will now spawn ocelots if I have enough free grass around there. And mm, I'm just cool. kind of doing all of the stuff that makes Minecraft feel like Minecraft again when you've been looking at a void world for the last few months. Um, so that's that's been super fun as well. But yeah, mo mainly kind of wondering how episode 300 of Survival Guide is going to go down and honestly feeling myself very excited for the nether update at this point because that just leads to so much more stuff and all of the ideas that i've been percolating in my head since finding out about some of these features can finally come to fruition yeah i'm excited to see how the nether update is going to roll out like there's there's that and we'll get into this a little bit later but the, the anticipation of how the community is going to because we all we have our own personal opinions and we t and we get you know some some thoughts sent into us from from listeners but it's a small sample of the player base at large and so i'm really curious to see what themes and memes and techniques and excitement or unexcitement you know is going to happen when another update happens like what stuff is really going to be grabbed by the community and what stuff is just not going to be you know used at all yeah and that's, so i'm curious to see how that happens that's kind of the direction i wanted to take our main discussion and we will get there mm. but first mm -hmm. uh we may as well cover this week's snapshot and it's kind of telling at this point that maybe 
we are starting to wind down in terms of new features for the nether update and things are now focusing more on tweaks bug fixes and a couple more technical changes in particular java edition snapshot 20w18a has changes to redstone wire and a bunch of fixed bugs um so to just briefly recap uh, Mojang's explanation of the changes to Redstone Wire because I know a lot of people probably clench a little bit when they hear changes are coming to Redstone. Uh, so the block state rendering and behavior of Redstone Wire in this snapshot are now more in line with each other. Redstone will provide power to blocks on all sides it shows a visual connection to and not do so on those sides without a visual connection. So this was something that was a bit inconsistent before this snapshot and they are attempting to make it more intuitive by making the visual indicator and the mechanical indicator kind of a bit more consistent. So a single redstone wire or redstone dot is now represented as a cross, which will be familiar to Bedrock Edition players where it was always like that. Uh, a wire on top of a block redirected from below will power the sides it is redirected to now. For example, a fence gate above the redirecting wire will be powered. Wires that redirect upwards to wires on non-conductive blocks used to only be redirected visually. Now this redirection applies to their behavior as well, and that's probably the biggest change here. A wire that is redirected to go over a block will now always provide power to that block. This is most noticeable when the wire has a signal strength of 1. Some technical changes include adding a status enable option to the server.properties file, which can make a server appear offline in the multiplayer screen, even if it is not. Uh, added control over how much entity data a server sends to clients, and added advancement system changes. There are additional changes to entity broadcasting related to servers, and a player check being added to every trigger except where this is impossible. More information about those on Minecraft.net because those are a little bit more technical, a little bit more uh, map makery and kind of technical side of things, server hosting side that we don't typically get into on this show because of a general lack of our own knowledge. Uh, there are some noteworthy bug fixes, a lot of them actually, uh, but here are a few we've picked out. Uh, broken spawn rates in soul sand valleys and warped forests, so those should hopefully be fixed. Hopefully that means slightly fewer ghasts. Uh, target blocks are transparent and do not transfer redstone signals, that has now been fixed and that has quite a good tie-in to redstone wire functionality now. Uh, there are quite a few changes and refinements to strider spawning and group behavior. Chain blocks are now able to be waterlogged and uh, the entity distance uh, slider was showing no difference between 100% and 500% and we reported on this last week where it didn't really seem to be making a difference to how far away entities like mobs would render. That has now been fixed so the slider actually does what it says on the tin. I've got some questions about redstone, but before we get into that discussion, I thought it was worth noting that there's been quite a few changes over the last few weeks to Minecraft Earth. Uh, we had a couple of people tweet us uh, still playing Minecraft Earth and quite excited about it and thought we should look into those changes just to kind of maybe uh, relay them here on on the, on the show. So we're not necessarily going to be into getting into a big discussion about Minecraft Earth because I haven't played in a very long time. Same. Uh, and and I and I and I want to reiterate that it's mostly because it just wasn't necessarily for me. Not that I didn't like it. Also, I have an older device, and so it really wasn't worth the f 15 minutes that I got before my battery died. Mm -hmm. uh, so that so that was that was the main reason why I stopped playing. But. Uh, there was a March 25th, 2020 update. So we're a little bit late getting to this. 
Uh, but the, the quote on that update was, we want to help flatten the curve. The health and safety of our players is incredibly important to the Minecraft Earth team. In accordance with WHO guidelines, we've made the following changes to empower Minecraft Earth players to continue to build, craft, adventure, and mine from safety at home. Increased tappable spawn rate, increased tappable density, and added the ability to spawn adventures anywhere. So basically, you can just play Minecraft Earth like you once did, but instead of having to walk around your neighborhood, you could basically walk around your house. Yeah. Um, Minecraft Earth, uh, our 16 patch notes from April 14th, 2020. Show off your creations to your friends with build plate sharing. Friends can interact, break blocks, and build, but the changes they make will not be permanently saved. New adventures have been added to the mix, and a new mob, the Spotted Pig. There's also bug fixes and highlights. Mobs are making a splash. We've added back the splash sounds that mobs make when they're in water. And the Iron Golem, what a knockout. We've reduced the Melon Golem kickback so that they won't push mobs as far as before. And I think this might be a typo, but someone correct me if I'm wrong. Melon Golem? Is I, there a Melon Golem? I think what they've done is made an Iron Golem that you make with a melon for a head instead of a pumpkin. And oh. uh, it's another mob variant. Like they've got a uh, a furnace golem as well that looks a lot more oh. kind of like um, it looks a bit like Bastion from Overwatch. It's got a okay. kind of blast furnace in the chest or the head or something. I think. And I've seen a few of these um, kind of images on the Minecraft Earth Twitter account. I haven't actually looked at them in game myself, but mm-hmm. with the additions of all of these new mob variants, they are not just varying passive mobs. There are variants to utility mobs like golems as well. Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, and then in the most recent update, which was April 28th, uh, are you up for the challenge? Build, craft, and collect your way through an all-new season challenge system to earn exclusive rewards. Season challenges are only around for a limited time, so don't dele- uh, don't dally. Uh, so it sounds like they're adding quite a lot for you to do in Minecraft Earth, even though a lot of people, uh, as they should be, are staying home. Uh, keep track of the blocks, items, and mobs you've collected in the new player journal. That, to me, sounded like something that I felt was lacking when I was playing the game. So that sounds really cool. Uh, a fancy new knight-themed build plate can now be found in store. You can own the knight. And new mobs. With the addition of the player journal, we wanted to add some diversity to the mobs that you know and love. Please welcome the whole herd of new mob variations to collect. And I'll read through these quick, but some of them sound really cool. Amber chicken, stormy chicken, sunset cow, ashen cow, pie-bald pig, pale pig, flecked sheep, rocky sheep. I want to know what that one looks like. Vested rabbit and muddy foot rabbit. So that wraps up the notes that uh, I picked up from the uh, the patch notes on Minecraft Earth. I'll have a note uh, and link to that in the show notes for this week. If people want to check that out, that'll be at thespawnchunks.com. Uh, of course, uh, Minecraft.net is where you can go to just read these right now. Um, I... I'm just, I'm curious about what we talked about early on when we were reviewing Minecraft Earth, about how the developments and the playground of Minecraft Earth might influence Minecraft Prime. Yeah. You know, uh, things like a sunset cow or a rocky sheep, like new mob variants, I think is something that we all would like in Minecraft. And really all it involves is just new textures. You know, it's, it's similar to how we've got mushrooms and cows right? And brown mushrooms. Like, it's just fun. Like, it adds some variety. If you have a field of cattle, it would be nice if they weren't all exactly the same. Um, I think I think that kind of stuff, I'm hoping that that kind of stuff comes over. Yeah. Um, have you been able to get into Minecraft Earth at all? 
in um, the last little while? I have not, and it's not because of any lack of interest in the game itself, really. Like, the functionality of the app is great, and the fact that they've been making accessibility changes to it to make sure that people can play from home is great. Um, from what I understand, there are these new adventure crystals that you can now acquire through tappables, and that's what allows you to spawn an adventure basically wherever. And I think I did touch mm -hmm. on that briefly, but we didn't really go into Minecraft Earth too much after that. Uh, in previous shows and i think the thing for me is that the experience of minecraft earth is so tied to the idea of being able to go outside and it's not that the game itself is prompting that anymore but it's how i want to experience minecraft earth is with the intended behavior of being able to go out and walk around the world take the air take some exercise go out to your local park and just wander around and it's not that minecraft earth is tied to that anymore but in my brain having done a bunch of that basically so i could do research for the podcast and make a couple of videos for my channel i kind of can't separate the two i really want to be able to go out and walk and do that stuff again and i collected a lot of tappables when i would ride the bus into and from town i kind of miss that as part of the process so it's not that i wouldn't get into minecraft earth from home it's just that i think i want to start playing it again when we're more able to go freely outside and just go and hang out somewhere. Uh, I also want to be able to do multiplayer stuff with it, and I think there might be more people picking it up as a result of it being more accessible to them now, and the fact that build plate sharing has been added in is a huge addition, and um, obviously this has all been the early access version of the app, so it's not like we weren't expecting these features to be rolled out slowly, but I think player interaction and, and multiplayer action was the thing that was missing from it before. You could only really interact with people's builds if you were there with them in person, whereas a lot of Minecraft gameplay happens across continents, you know, across the world because of people playing on multiplayer servers. So I feel like, yeah, the, the changes mm. are great, uh, and it's really interesting to see them adding even more mob variants than they started with, and like you, I am hoping that those are effectively a testing ground for what could potentially be added into Minecraft Prime in future. But yeah, I don't see myself playing Minecraft Earth really until I can get out and about, just because I enjoy the experience so much more that way. One of the, I'm just quickly doing some Googling while you were chatting there, and one of the mob variants that wasn't listed here, it's probably because it came out before March 25th, is yep. the, the woolly cow. And it looks like... Um, is it the long-haired Scottish Highland cow? Yeah, they look like Highland remember. cows, don't they? With the fringe. Highland cows, yeah. Yeah, the fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Like, really cool. And like, and so you could, like, if, if you could control the mobs in your areas, like, as you're, you're building your world, and if you've got, like, a mountain village, it would be so cool to have woolly cows instead of just regular, you know, um, like, what look like dairy cows. Yeah. Right? Like, the black and white spots and stuff like that. So I looked up the other sheep. I thought the, the rocky sheep might have been some sort of indication uh, as to um, like the the ram, like the mountain goat, what what that might look like, um, but they're just they're just wool color variants, like mottled wool, brown yeah. wool. Just, they're they're nothing too crazy. Uh, same with the rabbits. The rabbits just have different. It's the same model. It just has different textures. You know, brown feet versus gray feet. That yeah, kind of thing, I but. I recall us having an email a couple of shows ago about some from somebody who said that dog variants should appear in different biomes. So having like a Burmese mountain mm -hmm. dog appearing in mm -hmm. more mountainous regions, it would be so cool if, uh, like villagers do when they have different skins for the different villager uh, biome variants. I feel like that'd be kind of a fun addition in future to have as 
different types of cows appearing in mountain biomes versus plains, for example. There'd be yeah. some fun stuff to be had there. And who knows? There's probably somebody who's done that with the um, sort of variable texture settings on Optifine already, but I feel like assigning them to different biomes feels like it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, getting into the uh, snapshot changes, I think the redstone wire changes while subtle uh, and will take a bit of getting used to for people that have been playing the game for a while i think are going to make redstone very accessible for new people yes and i don't want to say i don't want to say new players i want to say new people to redstone so you've been playing this game for three or four years and you find redstone intimidating then i feel like these changes um because when i first started working with redstone i found the redstone dot and what it powered and what it didn't power frustrating Mm -hmm. uh things like locking hoppers even though the hopper is not connected to the redstone dot you know like it just does it does it power the space above the redstone dot or does it power two spaces above the redstone dot? like all that kind of stuff i found very confusing so the fact that it's now across and that as you place blocks around it it just it doesn't it defaults to pointing towards the block it's powering and not pointing towards the block that it doesn't uh and i think that's i think that's cool uh, I do find how they describe and even how people have visually tried to show the way that redstone is redirected and how it applies things upwards. So when they, I find that I, I always find the, the, the word upward very confusing because it, it does, to me, it doesn't sound like a real word, even though I know it is. <laughs> um, but like redirecting redstone upward to me sounds purely vertical, but it's not. It's vertical and horizontal it's a 45 degree like you're going up to the block next to you you're not going straight up and so in by doing so having a a uh fence gate like above a redstone cross now which is what they're going to be um will the redstone not power the cross until it's redirected like that stuff i just found super confusing i've even watched uh, a couple of videos that have helped and i want to and i want to give these guys a shout out because i mean they're always really good snapshot videos um from exumavoid uh, did a snapshot video but then mumbo jumbo did a just the redstone changes that's all he talked about in this one 10 minute video that he did and there's a lot of visual aids that both of those those guys use uh, to explain what's going on mumbo got into the target block and how the target block now redirects redstone and how it's a big deal yes but my thought was didn't don't all blocks redirect redstone like if you put a i guess it has to be a redstone component to redirect it right like that's and not the... not all redstone components even do that so uh right. here's an example right you put a line of redstone dust on the ground if you put yep. a piston somewhere along that line not at one of the ends but along the side of the line the redstone dust will not automatically redirect into that piston it does that on bedrock edition doesn't do it on java and that's one oh. of the big distinctions between the two and that means that if you light up that redstone dust because it's not directly powering a block that is adjacent to the piston the piston doesn't activate and having a target block somewhere along that line it now does and that powers the target block so the target block is not only a target for players now it is also a target for redstone current which is yeah. kind of interesting to me and a good block to do that with especially because it's new uh, so everybody can get used to these changes at the same time instead of them being changes to mechanics they have been using for years. So right. I feel like that was quite a smart move to incorporate the target block into that. And and Mumbo got into that in his video about how 
the target block is now this really cool thing that it's a subtle change, but it makes so many more things possible. And he was using like, you know, three by three piston doors, how he used to run into this problem. And now this target block solves that. And he, he was basically redoing a bunch of things that were broken by this change, but because of the target block changes, they can be fixed. They yeah. just have to be built in a different way. So the mechanics and the possibility of building this particular function, I can't remember what he called it, like a redstone coder. Essentially, it's basically you spin an item around in a, in a frame and each level gives off a different, um, each turn gives off a different level of redstone output. And he was lighting up torches in a row based on a selection system. And so uh, with, with that, he just, he had to rebuild it using the target block. But what I didn't understand was a, it was a triple piston extender and he was using the target block to redirect redstone, which was that I understood. And it was because the target block is a solid block, he can use it to power other things that I understood, but how he was powering a piston at an angle. And I guess that's, I guess that's the quasi connectivity that's yes. still in the game. Yeah. And, and so, but he didn't mention that. And so it was still like, well, okay, I understand all the new mechanics, but then nothing like this part didn't make sense. And so like, I feel like there's still a little bit that they could do. Cause when I look at some redstone stuff and, and you hit the button and everything works the way you expect it to, you're like, okay, cool. I understood all that, but I still find that there's many redstone um, components, especially when I'm watching somebody that's, you know, an advanced user, like, you know, mumbo or somebody else. Um, and they press the button and I see seven things happen and I understand six of them, but that seventh, I'm just like, Whoa, what just happened there? Yeah. Like I even tried to adjust my concrete maker yesterday live on the stream and ended up blowing up part of my elevator. Um, <laughs> oh no. I mean, it was, it was minor. It was not, it was not a big deal. Like we didn't yeah. even lose any components. It was fine. But essentially I tried to, um, I'm using TNT that I'm crafting. It's not a duper. So I'm trying to make more efficient use of the TNT. So I tried to slow down the rate at which the TNT is dispensed. But the way that this is built, because the clock I'm using, I think, was built around the fact that the TNT is coming from a duper, it's just this constant stream, right? So Because it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought the clock and the TNT thing was separate, but it turns out that the timing of the release of the TNT being slower also lengthens the clock of how long it's being held before it detonates. So it was held too long and then it blew up too early. And so that I was like, well, that I didn't think that that's how this worked. Um, but I think what I've discovered is that instead of having two different clocks, I have one clock and a clock extension. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what's happening. So I like, I think part of it is that I have to start doing a little bit more redstone from scratch. But like I said, I think that these changes make it more accessible for the basic things. Like when you put something down and the redstone line goes to a redstone line with an offshoot to the right, that to me is very visually clear. Oh, the redstone is going to power that thing. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that, that to me makes sense, but I still don't understand about the whole fence gate thing, like how the fence gate is being powered by redstone going underneath it, but not touching it. Um, I understand a dot, you know, or a, or a pressure plate, but like how the redstone, how powered redstone doesn't power the gate until the redstone goes up a block next to it to me does not make any sense. Yeah. For me, redstone has always been one of those things that is a nightmare to dis to explain theoretically. 
So yeah. it, the, these are examples where, to be fair, I, I have to give a shout out for a start to Mojang for communicating these changes by putting a screenshot in the blog post with examples of how Redstone Wire was going to behave. Very smart move, because for folks like me who would just read that changelog and glaze over, <laughs> it was very, very helpful to see an, an actual image of how some of that stuff was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, while I'm giving shout outs, want to mention the very level-headed response to Redstone changes from the prominent members of the technical community. And they know who they are at this point, you guys probably do as well, but folks like Il Mango and uh, Mumbo Azuma, Cubfan, various people i saw cub uh did a a solid thread on twitter where i think he was just getting used to the changes but i think it's everyone has been looking at these with a very calm perspective and not going oh no like i i I think the comments section for each of these people is often prone to hyperbole because they want people to flip out a little bit they're they're kind of they, they they want people to be upset about stuff because they want there to be some sort of drama um but i think the the creators themselves and the people who are more involved with the redstone community are seeing these as good changes because it's codifying redstone it's making it more accessible to people it's being logical again but not necessarily removing all of the stuff that they liked about it with a couple of minor exceptions that they've kind of shrugged off and gone "Eh, kind of sucks that that works the way it does but we understand why and i think Mm. that's that's very good um yeah there's a couple of things that i'm still not sure if they're going to be quite the same but again i have to get in there and do it practically and and actually fiddle around with the stuff myself because otherwise trying to puzzle it out in my head without practical examples in front of me all of my knowledge of redstone falls apart (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's it's going to be an interesting time to get hold of things but from what i've seen the reaction has been fairly positive and as for the quasi connectivity thing i think that is one of those things which is never going to be quite something that can be explained by the mechanics of the game but is the holdout that the technical community has where they're like we don't really want this to go away because that breaks a lot of the stuff we have related to pistons and maybe flying machines and stuff like that and all all of the kind of stuff that allows for more advanced creations with pistons kind of tends to rely on that functionality and if that goes away just because it isn't super logical and doesn't seem very realistic then that takes away part of the game that is enjoyable so unless they can find some kind of way of explaining that how that happens i feel like it's always going to be one of those things that just you have to kind of write off as redstone magic and then Mm. just get used to how it functions but um yeah i think the the redstone changes by and large are very good i do like the fact that target blocks redirect them like i said that feels kind of great um moving on to some of the other stuff about this snapshot the bug fixes are lovely um very happy that chain blocks can be waterlogged now that felt like an obvious one people people want to make like anchors for ships um and the first thing i saw was people using the new lodestone block in combination with chains to make like undersea mines um which i thought looked really aesthetically very cool um yeah and yeah yeah, you could even make things look bigger like you could even make a bigger mine with like walls like stone walls on Mm. the end and the top and like have it look a little bit more spiky and like you could do some really some really cool stuff exactly yeah um and yeah if that if that soul sand valley thing if i understand it correctly that does hopefully mean that people are going to be less bombarded by ghasts uh whenever they yeah they go into soul sand valleys yeah that's that's how i read that too it's it felt like a a response to the bug that that there was a lot of um a lot of mobs and it was a very it wasn't a very pleasant place to be like it i think it was basically a response to this feels bad as a player and so we don't we don't want that to happen yes and ultimately that comes down to balancing the game ready for hopefully a relatively soon nether update release 
Um, mm-hmm. So so let's get on to talking about that via our chunk mail for this week, which I think you're going to read for us. Yes, uh, it's a bit of a long one. So uh, and I I think I forgot to put the person's name. Did they sign it? They did. It's from Poggin. It's from Poggin, uh, and this is about uh, responding to, we'll say like feedback that he that they're seeing that Poggin is seeing from the community. Uh, hey, Pix and Joel, hope you're both having a fantastic day. My condolences to Joel if you're still having computer issues. Well, we're we're halfway there. Um, I always enjoy listening to the show and hearing your thoughts on all things Minecraft. Best best Minecraft podcast as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you very much, Poggin. I've been listening to this show for a while now, and I have somewhat more philo- so I have a somewhat more philosophical question for you guys. While I always look forward to hearing what you have to say about the new content and the features, it always gets me thinking. I get the sense that Minecraft that Minecraft's audience has changed quite a bit since I started playing back in the beta days. I'm not necessarily talking about the age range, as Minecraft has always been appealing to young and old, but more of what to we expect the developers to do with the game and how that affects what we think of new features. A lot of the scrutiny I see on new snapshots is all about how it changes the meta of the game, and if the feature is as flushed out as it should be. While I think constructive criticism is vital to making a good game, I wonder if we push our luck too far with what we think a feature should do or look like without having an understanding for what it actually takes to implement the features in the game. I probably sound like an old man, but I remember when things like redstone and slime balls were utterly useless. Nights were much darker and harder without torches, and a food uh, and food was a pain to carry around in large quantities, and yet we all played anyway. Why? I believe not because it was a good game, but because it inspired us. It challenged us to be creative, share it with our friends, and have an adventure. I give a child it gives a childlike wonder that pushed us to something epic, and then tell our friends about the simple block game that we had found. I think that's something we've lost touch with. The ability to take the game for what it is, a silly block game that brings joy and simplicity. To summarize, I feel like many players like Minecraft's or take Minecraft too seriously. I love the game and I want it to be the very best it can be, but I also don't want to sacrifice that childlike wonder in the name of making objectively better. Uh, Minecraft is what you make of it. Do you think we overemphasize the quality of new features or have similar thoughts? Would also love to hear about your first experiences, stories with the game. Sorry for the long-winded letter, but I really wanted to share and hear your thoughts. Have a great day, and thank you for all the work you put into this great quality po- uh, content. Sincerely, Poggin. Thanks for the great email, Poggin. Like really, really, really good. Uh, and uh, and thanks for the question. It's um, we're gonna get into it. I think kind of like all at once in our discussion. Um, but to kind of springboard us, I think while I understand the nostalgia and the I guess knowledge that you bring to the conversation, having played the game since beta, I think it's a little unfair to compare current Minecraft to beta and say like, you guys should all be super thankful for all the wonderful stuff that you have. Cause back in my day, and I know I'm putting words in your mouth pocket, um, things were much different and much harder and much simpler. And we didn't have all this cool stuff. Uh, I think that you have to take the game as it is currently. And you have to, players are only able to really, I think, in the last three, I look at the game in terms of like, I want to say Minecraft 113, 
113 on is when it starts to feel kind of like the current game to me. And so I criticize it and I think about it in those terms uh, because I think that that's kind of like how a lot of people tend to think about it more recently. And so when it comes to criticizing the game, I don't think, I don't think I personally lose track of what it is. I think it's a lot easier to talk at length when you're having a creative and critical discussion about something than it is to say like, well, if I really like something like, I don't know, the chain block, I like it, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say about it other than just all the cool stuff that I can build with it. I need more time with it, but like, I can't, I can't really fill paragraphs and paragraphs about how much I like the chain block. I can fill paragraphs about how much I don't like Blackstone though, you know? <laughs> so, and I, I mean, it's partly human nature. Um, but I think that, you know, the expectation of the, of the Minecraft audience and what I think Poggin is tapping into is something we mentioned either last week or the week before, where some of the changes that have been coming to Minecraft, not all of them, some of them that you and I tend to like hone in on, Johnny, are like, they kind of defy logic. It's like, well, that's a change, but it doesn't really make sense. You know, you have a community of people and once you're really in tune with that community and you know what they're asking for and Mojang knows what they're asking for because the community is loud, you know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of them. And then Mojang goes, cool, here's this other thing. And the community goes, wait, what? <laughs> like, we're all asking for the same thing and you gave us the other thing. Now, sometimes the other thing is awesome, you know, and you don't expect it. Target block, for example, right? Uh, but other times it's like cracked, I can't even remember the whole name, polished, cracked, blackstone bricks. And everybody's like, okay, <laughs> like, do we need this? And I think that's where you start to get the expectant community. Like they, everyone has ideas. It's a creative game and they all have ideas about how it can be improved. And I don't envy Mo Yang in trying to please everyone all the time because you can't. Uh, but I like I can I can see I can see both sides of this. I can I can understand the whole like it's a block game. Like everybody just chill out and have fun. Uh, but I think it starts to get into it gets a lot more complicated because there's a lot of people, my co-host included, that make their living off of this block game. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that that was gonna so, that was gonna be my first point. Was the it, it is difficult not to take something seriously when ultimately it is your career now. <laughs> and yeah. um, while a lot of people are able to make a living out of variety gaming, the thing about Minecraft is it has such a loyal audience and such a focused audience, and the game itself has the potential to provide near-limitless content for you if, if you want to put that amount of time into it. Often it's very difficult to just see it as a game and transition from that game to another game you're playing because your audience is here to watch you play Minecraft. And I think when you have that mindset and when people are making a living out of making videos out of Minecraft and pushing the limits of what they think the game is capable of, you are going to want the features that come out to be more robust and have more mileage you can get out of them so that you can push things even further with those features so when people call for stuff like depth of features oftentimes they are asking for hey let me 
spend more time with this so i have to so so i have more content so that i have a little bit more stuff to explore in game even for more casual players it lengthens the appeal of the game for them and minecraft doesn't have to be the only game that you play but for some people it is the only game that they feel like they can have that level of success with if that's what they're after it's the only game that allows them to create the stories they want to create without having to learn to code games all by themselves and i think we bring into games like minecraft on a cultural level what we you know the the stuff that we bring in is we are looking for something we are looking for something that's going to reflect our lives reflect society in general so i think there's there's a lot of layers to this and it's kind of difficult as a philosophical question but i feel like minecraft for a lot of people has become an ingrained part of their culture and not taking it seriously is kind of the same as not taking politics seriously or money seriously or something like that you know it it seems so strange to compare a video game to these like concepts that have been with us for a long time but minecraft is that to a lot of people now and it's probably the first game that's ever really been like this i know there are a lot of games that have been like vital to the development of video games in general but i feel like in terms of the lifespan the potential the amount of people it has reached best-selling game ever over here by the way Mm -hmm. um is 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 really something different it's 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 this odd sort of phenomenon and here we are of course on a podcast about minecraft we can't help but take it seriously because that is bread and butter for us you know yeah, uh, exactly it, it helps the podcast to not it, like it, it helps us sustain the concept of what we do on this show to not then turn around every five minutes and go eh, why are we talking about this so much it's a video game doesn't matter yeah, yeah. you know that's like we, <laughs> yeah. we are we are making yeah. it matter by our participation in the thing we choose what's important to us and what's important to a lot of people in the circles that we run in right now is minecraft and so yeah. we, we have to study these things and critique them as closely as we would study and critique other aspects of our own lives which are this important so like yeah. you know if you're the kind of person who would um you know unionize your workplace because you didn't feel like you were being treated well i mean it's a weird comparison but you can compare that to the community giving feedback on how minecraft is developed because they're like this is where we live this is the circumstance in which we work therefore we feel like our conditions should be a certain way now there's a lot less at stake there there's a lot of different stuff on the line and it's not like you can roll back your job to a previous version <laughs> but um yeah there's there's certainly a lot to be said for minecraft effectively being a way of life for a lot of people now and a lot of people do need to take it that seriously if it's going to be their way of life that's yeah. the, that's the way I, I would put it anyway and I, I think it's also something worth pointing out um because i communicate this a lot of times to um new players specifically parents of new players uh minecraft is as much a tool as it is a game yes and, it's, and it's an artistic when, medium for a lot of people as yeah well. yeah exactly and so you think about things like you know for me photoshop that is a tool it's a tool that i pay for uh granted i only paid for minecraft once but like to, to draw the comparison i use photoshop almost daily uh when they change photoshop and it's not for the better you bet your butt they hear about it because uh it affects a lot of people professionally you know it affects a lot of people even if you're just a hobbyist like even if you're just like a photographer and you know it changes the way that you do things uh because it's a tool and people don't think like ah, it's just photoshop you know what's the big deal it's a big deal because it's an application uh you know if something if an app on your phone that's part of the function 
not part of its entertainment starts to malfunction, then people get pretty upset. And I think about, say, like, you know, changes and things to Minecraft uh, as far as it's being used in education. Like if something that Mojang does breaks one of the things that it's a key element of Minecraft education, that would be bad, you know, and, and the, the community would be, I want to say more justified, but just as justified in speaking up about that because it's affecting education. And I think everybody around would say that's a good thing. You don't want to mess with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think that Minecraft as a tool, I think is also something we have to remember when we're, when we're being critical of it. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I think also that none of this, like I, while every company always wants success, I don't necessarily think that Minecraft was like setting out to be the biggest game in the world, you know? So like, it's, it's a good problem to have, but I think it's still a problem to have, you know, like it's, there's a lot to juggle. Uh, and so I know we do mention it from time to time on the podcast but i i definitely want to you know say that in all of the criticisms that we make on the show and anything that we do say we always try to do our best to present a balanced conversation and be critical but we do so with the knowledge of the sheer amount of effort because it is their job like it is it's their day-to-day -day. it's their developers like so we understand that the sheer amount of work that goes into this so we're not saying like ah this is useless or i don't like this and disregarding the fact that you know, a lot of work and stuff went into that. We're, that's never that's never the case. And this all ties in quite neatly to what I wanted to discuss this week, which was effectively our thoughts on the features of the Nether updates so far. Because we've been breaking it down week by week in the snapshots, but now, as I said earlier, it starts to be looking like it's more or less feature complete, and what's left is tweaking and bug fixing and the polish of the update. I thought it'd be worth us discussing what we like about the Nether update before it gets a full release and we realize how little we're actually going to use striders even though we like them a lot or before we do a complete 180 and decide we actually really like blackstone now that we're building with it in our existing worlds and before pigstep becomes the only song anyone ever listens to uh, so in the show notes you'll have a link to the minecraft wiki page which has a helpful breakdown of the new additions uh, the link is to java edition 116 but you'll find a lot of the uh, the stuff in there is going to be uh, linked to Bedrock Edition as well. Uh, so I thought we'd go over some of our serious thoughts here about the positives, negatives, and stuff we're kind of neutral on about the update so far. And yes, keeping in mind that this is all a video game and that all of these things have been developed by people for our general enjoyment, but we're going to be getting more value out of them, I think, than anyone ever expected to get out of Minecraft. So so let's uh, let's drill down and take a look at what we actually like and dislike about the nether update as it stands so where do you want to start you want to start with like say positives and stuff um i think it's let's start with positives we'll wrap back around to positives we'll do the positivity sandwich where we uh, okay we, we put some of the All stuff right. we dislike in the middle and then we'll we'll kind of wrap up at the end but personally uh the new biomes is probably where i want to start because they were the, one of the first things we knew about from minecon they were the, one of the first things we really got uh give or take basalt deltas which were added later and there's not a single one I dislike in the new biomes. They all look great to me. Uh, aesthetically, uh, warped forests are my favorites. I love the neon blue in the nether. I really feel like it stands out in a really interesting way. Basalt deltas, now they've been added, are a close second. Um, they're so atmospheric, and the biome fog color also helps that a lot. I can see a lot of people uh, using that for creative builds, just being able to build in an area in the nether that has that fog color is going to be super fun. Uh, to add some atmosphere but I think personally I really like all of the new biomes 
and the way they look naturally when you encounter them. Uh, how do you feel about the biomes so far, Joel? That, actually, the biomes is what, like without going through like a giant list of all the changes, like when I just kind of think about our conversations over the last few weeks, biomes are the big thing that come to mind as like the, I've got nothing bad to say. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it just looks so different compared to what we have currently in the nether and in all like the 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 um crimson forests are just rich and vibrant and fun uh the warped forests are just they just kind of scream minecraft you know like it's just like only minecraft would put that color in the nether and it mm. works like it just it totally works um like so that that kind of stuff is great like this they feel organic it makes sense that there's just mushroom trees everywhere because the nether feels like a giant cave so like everything feels very underground despite that they're adding quote-unquote trees and bushes and grass you know um i love the deltas uh i like the changes that they made to the deltas recently where they added more lava to them so like they feel a little bit more I don't want to say designed. They feel a little bit more like Swiss cheese as opposed to just giant chunks. I kind of think of them as as like tide pools now, basically. Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. you imagine Mm -hmm. them being on the edge of a lava ocean and these are tide pools forming as though there is any kind of tide anywhere in Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that kind of suits the Delta vibe of them very well. And I think they've got a lot of really interesting formations. The blocks they are made of, on the other hand, I have less positive things to say about, still because I'm not the biggest fan of Blackstone outside of the context of the biome. Like I, I really think that the basalt and Blackstone combination looks great in situ in the nether. And I think that's my my kind of flip side to the discussion about biomes, is that um, basalt could be my new favorite building block. Maybe I need more time with it. And I feel the same about warped and crimson wood. I haven't really seen many builds that people have done in the snapshots that make them look better than they do in their native biomes. The idea being that if players are going to be moving around all of these blocks, if they want to be, you know, repurposing them for their own builds, I want to see something that wows me about it and kind of justifies the existence of all of this new stuff. And I really haven't seen anything that has felt like it's anything more than an expansion to the palette rather than a revolution in building and it doesn't necessarily need to be treated as a revolution in building but maybe just the fact that they added two new wood types for the first time since i think you know minecraft 1.6 or 1.7 it feels like 10 updates on anything new like this should be a complete revelation to the player and maybe i'm just expecting too much of those but yeah I, I i still don't think i've seen any builds that make warped and crimson woods look any better than they do just natively in warped and crimson forests like i think those biomes are so cool that if you take the blocks out and put them in any other context i'm not as convinced and i know you probably feel the same about those in, in fact you probably feel like um a little bit more negative about the warped and crimson wood based on what you've said in the past has that changed at all for you no and and i think I mean, there, there's, I have to, I want to say, you know, with it with an asterisk here that I've not been playing in the snapshots for a number of reasons. Obviously, everybody knows about my, about my computer issues, but I've not been playing in the snapshots because I'm to a point now after we covered on the show, I don't want to spoil it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, yeah, I'm yeah. not in a snapshot world. I'm not playing on a snapshot server, even though I was very, you know, graciously invited to one. I was just like, yeah, yeah I, I kind of like pop in and creative to just do a little bit of research and take a screenshot for the show. And that's kind of where I stop because I want to be able to fly around on the Citadel or, you know, adventure in the nether and find stuff, you know, and yeah. see how it actually works in game. 
I, you know, I'm sure that I will probably find a use in my new medieval fantasy area for warped planks for a roof of a wizard tower. Like, yeah. but like, it, it there are very few uses for it, and I find that more and more as I try to think about, you know, because people will say like, well, why don't you like these new textures or these new blocks? And I think where I start to narrow in is like when things don't have more than one real perceived use. Yeah, when you they know, start like to feel more specialized. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. But specialized are things like cauldrons, anvils. Uh, I'm struggling to find other things, you know, but like observers. Uh, um, what's the what's the new not the lodestone? Is it the lodestone? Yeah. Yeah. The lodestone. So the lodestone is a very specific block. Right. But. You know, like when you get into these, some of these other things, like they're all very specific because they have very specific functions. And you can get some multiple functions out of anvils, like you can use them to build different things. But when it comes to things like the crimson wood, like it just, it it's really narrow, but it's, it's not just one block. It's planks and stairs and slabs and trapdoors and like so Fences, all these different boats, yeah, pressure plates. And they've added all of these things and the color, the texture is so mono use that you're just like, well, great. You've added what seven or eight different blocks to the game that I can only use one way, which mm -hmm. is to build a bright neon, you know, house in the nether or a bright neon house, in the, like a, neither of which I want to do, you know, and, and I'm not alone in that. Like I'm not the sole person that's just like, woof, these are too bright. You know, like it's, it's, it's a lot of people are kind of like, because I've seen some some of the you know Minecrafters that I watch, and they put them down like, yeah, so this is gonna be exciting, and then they kind of go, oh, <laughs> and you can tell that there's like I'm not I don't want to say anything too terrible about this, but I don't have anything good to say, and so you can just feel the tongue tie, you know, and that's where I start to feel where things get um, why I get lost on the new on the new um, textures. And I want to be very clear, I don't mind that there's new blocks. I don't think adding new blocks are bad because. At least as Java players, we have the ability to change textures and just kind of do stuff. I've done that with the, the nether bricks. I don't use the wine-colored nether bricks. I make them black because I wanted black slabs and stairs in the game. Now I have native black slabs and stairs in the game. So if I wanted to, I could apply this nether brick texture that I currently have to blackstone. And then I can go back to using the, the, the wine-colored nether bricks. And then I could have both. You know, like, so yeah. there are positive things that you can pull from this. So I don't, I don't think new blocks are bad, but I find that the new textures are a little, I don't find, I don't think they've been thought out. I don't think they've been, I don't think they've been thought of outside of the nether. And in some cases they're really bizarre. Like, I mean, we won't get into a tirade about Blackstone, but it is my least favorite thing about the new update. Like it is by far the bottom of the list to the point where like, it's not even something that. It's, it's so, to me, it's so, I don't want to say useless. I, it's so, it's so close to the bottom that it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see so many variants of this block that I have no interest in using because I find the texture too noisy and they've got like three different variants of walls that you can't tell the difference between. Mm. And then you have no quartz walls. There's no smooth stone stairs. There's no smooth stone walls. So why not give us one black stone wall and then use the other walls as other things that are going to be useful in more than one situation? Yeah. And I understand it's the nether update and those other two blocks that I mentioned. Well, actually, the quartz is nether. But like, you know, um, 
Smoothstone is not necessarily a nether update, but the target block is not specifically to the nether, and that's coming in the nether update. You know, chains also not specific to the nether. So I feel like there should be a little bit more of a balance, you know, in terms of like they're adding all this stuff. And this is where I think it gets frustrating for players to go back to what I said about uh, Poggin's email is that everybody is just like, I would love more wall variants and I would love more useful stairs and I would love this. And then you get, I, I can't even count them. There's so many. There's like 12 or 14 variants of Blackstone blocks and they all look the same. Well, the smooth ones, you can tell the difference, but they all look so similar that when the player's like, well, you just gave us 12 new things, but it's really like just giving us one. And I can, I can then really identify with the frustration. So that's, that's my negatives on the another update come from the redundancy of some of the additions and the singularity of some of the additions. And that's where I was just like, well, this is supposed to be a game that's supposed to like fuel your imagination, but like, I can't think of any other places to use these things like the yeah. Crimson Woods, you know? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to flip the Blackstone thing on its head here and talk not about the texture, but about its functionality. Because one of my favorite things about this update now is that a full tool progression is now possible in the Nether without going to the overworld at all. Blackstone functions the same way as Cobblestone does in terms of making tools, in terms of making things like furnaces, pistons, so on and so forth. And I think that is really valuable. Along with respawn anchors, that opens up a whole new genre of nether survival for players. Um, once you have a respawn anchor, you don't ever need to set foot in the overworld again, provided you can keep it topped up with glowstone, because you can get your stone from the surrounding environment, you can get wood from all of the trees that you find in Warped and Crimson Forests, you can get iron nuggets from piglins, you can find nether gold, you can find diamonds in nether fortresses, and potentially even netherite stuff in bastion loot as well. And then you have netherite as a full upgrade from mining ancient debris. So... I feel like this update has given us a new way to play Minecraft, a new survival challenge like Skyblock kind of thing, which I think if any update that gives you a new way to play is a good update. I, I think I, f I believe that quite firmly because effectively, yeah, you, you are uh, prolonging the lifespan of the game by giving players more variations on how they can play. I played a mod pack not too long ago where the whole point was you started in the nether and you had to find a way to get back to the overworld by acquiring resources and it was heavily modded so there was a lot of challenge to be had in the nether but effectively you know setting your spawn point in the nether felt like a completely different game never seeing the sky for you know months at a time felt like a completely different game and the relief you had when you got back to the overworld was palpable so i think it's really interesting that with this update they have added it a, a way to make it possible for players to constantly live sustainably in the nether without really having to leave unless they want to. Yeah, I think, again, I'll reiterate that overall, I'm excited about the nether update. Like, I, I, I think the positives outweigh the negatives by, like, in terms of, it's it's funny, it's almost like we have fewer positives when you look at it on a list, but the weight of them the biomes, the music, you know, yeah, like it's, it's the like big the, concepts. It feels yeah, like are, are the, the, it's, it, we're only finding negatives when we get down to the nitty gritty of like, which blocks are there, you know? Yeah. 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 Which is ultimately a good thing. Um, going big picture here, then, uh, the new music is beautiful. 
Lena Rain's done a fantastic mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. of those new tracks. Uh, the new ambient sounds are really refreshing, and they help it feel like a more complete update. Somehow the fact that there is new music makes it feel somehow way more official, <laughs> even though obviously all of this is official, you know what I mean? But it's not like the Village and Pillage update gave us new music when we stepped into Villages. The only music that's been added recently was with the update Aquatic, and then before that the soundtrack has been the same for super long so i think it's really cool that we're getting new music and that really helps increase the atmosphere of the game we have wanted ambient sounds in the overworld we used to talk about you know birds chirping and seashore noises when you get close to a beach biome that kind of thing it seems more plausible that stuff like that will happen but the nether needs to feel spooky it needs to feel atmospheric and like you're being kept on your toes especially with this update and players spending more time there so i think those both add a huge dimension to the nether um and right up there while you're talking about ambiance uh visually the ash in basalt deltas yes. the spores in crimson and um warped forests the blue fire the 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 soul flame stuff in in uh, soul sand valleys like these are all things that are are very the, I mean, well, the, the stuff, the, the, the ash and the atmosphere and the fog, it's all subtle, but does a, a lot to kind of add to the immersion of the game. Yeah. And and I think we were talking earlier about like the bright colors. I think a really good example of a bright color that's useful and versatile is the soul fire, the, the soul fire lanterns and the soul fire torches and all that kind of stuff. Um, because it's it's something that is because it's because of its nature, because of the light block. Uh, it just it's it's more flexible um and so those are the kind of things that i'd like to zero in and say like there's an example of something bright and different that's usable in multiple contexts yeah uh, definitely. very very and and i think that uh, i was watching um a friend of the show whip um doing a build tutorial because of course now that i'm in a me- medieval um zone i'm brushing up on all my favorite yeah, yeah. medieval builders but i noticed that you know one of the things of course he uses a, a lot of campfires in his builds because the smoke animation just adds so much and um we haven't talked about it in a long time but the campfire was a huge addition uh and and it really adds a lot of uh life to minecraft you know in the same ways that bees do you know yes and i and i think that a lot of the ambiance that they're adding uh while subtle in in the nether it's not something quite as straightforward as like campfires and bees but you've got like the 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 particles and the fog and the the music like all of that i think really adds a lot of life to the nether but in a way that's suitable spooky you know void and vast but not not teeming with life but teeming with life at the same time if that makes sense yes it, totally it, yeah because because people don't look necessarily i mean some people like mushrooms but people don't look at fungus as like beautiful it's a wonderful like i want to go frolic in the fungus nope not a, that's not a thing you know but but it, it it so it's it feels like an aggressive kind of wildlife you know like even though they're very pretty the crimson forests and stuff they feel goopy like they i don't want to live there but it just it feels really cool to walk by and go like wow that feels very ethereal and weird you know but it's not like i don't want to hang a hammock <laughs> yeah yeah and hang out the crimson roots and and warped roots and stuff just feel a very unnatural looking as plant life even though that is nature in the nether so that's that's super cool uh speaking of nature in the nether striders i feel like are not necessarily in themselves a feature i'm going to use a whole lot 
uh, because I just fly over lava lakes now, to be quite honest. Once I have elytra, that's it. And I don't really need to cross lava lakes the rest of the time because I can walk around them. But I feel like what Striders represent is a really great answer to the community demand for a feature that could have been boring and obvious. It could have been just a boat made of iron that is able to cross lava. And instead, we got a unique mob. We got really fun design. It adds to the biology of the nether and nobody saw it coming. And I think yeah. that to me is an example of it, basically the inverse of what you're talking about with Blackstone, where the community is asking for something and in a kind of monkey's paw way, you feel like Mojang adds it in a way that you don't feel like you can use. Striders are the opposite of that. Striders are like, hey, wow, there's this really neat new thing that was not necessarily a mechanic I was champing at the bit for, but I know a lot of people were. And hey, let's let's like amp that up to 100 and say, like, what if there was just this brand new creature that you've never really seen anything like it before? And I think they've got such personality, and I, I really like them. So they're in the positive column for me, even though I think when it comes to the Nether update, I probably won't use them at all. I feel like I'll put a couple of them in a museum, and they'll shiver because they're outside of lava, and then that'll be it. Yeah, um, I, I think I'm with you 100% on all the uniqueness and the clever design, and it, it feels very Minecrafty. You know, like yes. it's like the, fa like the Phantom. It kind of fits in in that kind of like, oh, wow, okay, that's weird and cool. Uh, I, th I just kind of chalk that up to, I have to remind myself that I'm on a legacy server and they're going to be great for people in new worlds. Like they're going to be great for players. And I, and there are players on the Citadel that don't have Elytra, uh, and really don't like the nether. So having a safe way to get across a lava lake, I think it's going to be fun for, for, for some people, but yeah. like you, I, I'm a, I'm comfortable enough with Minecraft and comfortable enough to fly over lava and stuff like that. And I, people have heart attacks sometimes on my stream and they're like, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm, I've been playing this for a while. I know where I'm going. Like, I'm not going to bump into anything. And yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm a professional calm down. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but, but I could, I can really, I can see the appeal for like, say maybe younger players or players that don't have a lighter or pay, players that really just don't like the, the nether. Like they just find it intimidating and stuff like that. And I'm actually really curious. I'm going to put a call out to our uh, chunk mail um, contributors if you um if you are a player that doesn't necessarily get to end game very much or if you're relatively new to the game um if you've never been in the nether or not spent much time when you do venture to the new nether in 116 like write us in and let us know spawnchunkmail at gmail.com like let us know what it is for like the not the player that's been in the nether forever you know for the last eight years but like for the player that goes in there so seldom and has no idea what to expect and what to do when that new nether hits what's it like for you is it good is it bad is it more exciting is it less intimidating does do you feel like there's safer places than not i'm really curious to see how that pans out for new players yes i feel like our first chunk mail episode after the nether update is going to be a very interesting one where we're reading out mm -hmm. more people's feedback about what they think of the yeah. full update that's going to be great obviously like wait until the full update comes around because we still don't know what could change um, but yeah, the thing I, I want to close out on is something that I feel relatively neutral on, and I'm surprised by that, but I feel like I'm waiting to see what the community thinks of it, and that is Netherite. Uh, it was one of the first big surprises, the first thing they didn't really mention at Minecon, but was added along with the new biomes, and... To me, it's an interesting way to shake up the status quo for tool progression. You get some extra durability and you get fire resistance on all of your stuff. I mean, not fire resistance, the effect, but the stuff cannot burn in lava or fire, which means fewer chances to lose your tools. 
I feel like they've done a good job of managing to avoid players just skipping straight to netherite unless they want to risk going to the nether with gold armor and sneaking it out of one of the bastion remnants because you can find netherite stuff in there now. Um, but I think I'm still waiting to see whether the community just embraces it as the new diamond and everything is netherite from now on and the people who are like, it's going to kill diamonds are actually right in some level or if the community sees it as a trivial upgrade and doesn't bother with it. Because I know you've said you've felt that way, where you're like, I don't really need netherite. It's just like, it's a matter of going and getting it, whether or not you are, you know, actually feel like you're in need of it. You don't need the extra point of armor toughness or anything like that, or the extra durability. It's just a matter of the principle of the thing. I will get it because it exists. Um, yeah. So that's, I, that's the I, weird part of it to me. If I find it, you know, I can see myself upgrading a pickaxe because I mean, yeah. that would be useful. You know, like I don't, but I don't see myself wearing it as armor because of just the sheer amount of effort that it would take to deck yourself out. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like the look of netherite armor better than I like the look of diamond. And I had a lot of new people in the stream this past weekend. So the, the question came up quite a bit, like what tools are you using? Because I mean, my diamond texture looks, my diamond tool texture looks like um, iron a little yeah, bit different yeah it's, it's, it's whiter it's, yeah it's yeah it's different if it's it's different if you're paying attention but at a glance on a small screen you'd probably just assume i'm using iron tools but i definitely am wearing iron armor and people are just kind of like wait a minute i just saw you just you know strip off your armor and you know heal some stuff at the mend some stuff at the enderman farm and then you put on iron armor like what the heck is going on um and so uh i had to answer that question a lot and i feel like you know I use iron armor because it makes the game harder for me without making it harder for everyone else on the server. Uh, but I just, for me, the netherite and the, um, what's it called? Ancient debris. Yeah. Um, I think the whole concept is interesting and well-played as far as adding it to diamond. I think the mistake is how, how rare it is. I, I think because it's that rare and that hard to find it just becomes a time in versus reward out. And I don't think it balances out. Yeah. I think there, I think there needs to be a, a better way to get it. I don't necessarily think it has to be crazy. Um, you know, diamonds are pretty rare in the overworld. If you play the game long enough, you can collect a lot of them unless you're spending hours and hours and hours mining. And I think that maybe just having, you know, netherite or sorry, I guess I should say having ancient debris, appear in the nether at the same frequency that diamond appears in the overworld would just make more sense yeah and i i, th I think it kind of goes along with striders for me as uh mojang's way of saying hey we can shake this stuff up a little bit we can take the ideas that you've asked for for a while and just put our own twist on them and i think that's mm -hmm. that's the thing i'm taking away from this for now at least is that they've clearly got some ideas of their own and original ways of implementing them and it really remains to be seen what's going to happen when the full nether update comes out, which I, I feel like we should be having this discussion right before it gets released. And we still don't really know when the release is going to happen, but hopefully it'll be soon. Sometime in the next couple of months, we'll start to see, you know, the snapshots winding down into bug fixes and then we'll get pre-release versions. And then we'll know that the update is finally on its way. Can't wait for that to happen. And really, really looking forward to the show, the kind of retrospective show that we end up doing when we uh, we get to talk about the Nether update for real. But for this show, I think that's probably where we're going to wrap it up for today. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about at thespawnchunks.com. I had a bunch of notes on the Nether update, which we didn't get time to 
uh, check out. But all of that is going to be in the show notes, so make sure to uh, to check those out this week. Uh, the music for the show is composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and now gets you an opportunity to listen to the show live if you are in a time zone that allows you to get up around the same time we do. Uh, it also gets us closer to our next milestone goals, which we have a brand new one up on the Patreon page now. We are currently at 170 patrons uh, always room for more and i think a couple of people may just be waiting to re-up their pledge after the month kind of rolls over special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski goody greener canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends wave and shout from across the street and tell them that they should listen to the spawn chunks you can email the show at the new email address spawnchunkmail at gmail.com subscribe on itunes android stitcher spotify and youtube the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page which is where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for the survival guide series did a skyblock stream this week as well just to change it up a little bit i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search and aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. And as I was reminded this weekend on my stream, I published a book in 2012. It's a collection of comic strips. So if you're looking for something to read while you're hanging around at home, as the weather gets nicer and you get to kick your feet up on your porch, check out the store at joelduggan.com and look at the Starcrossed comic book. There's a, a solid collection of comic strips if you're so interested. My other podcast is all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can find that at thecitadelcafe.com. Follow me online at joelduggan just about anywhere. And of course, I am back streaming Minecraft at twitch.tv slash joelduggan also streamed industries of titan last week super fun you guys should check it out thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and somehow it's still expanding <laughs>